0: Well, we are excited you're with us this morning. Thanks for coming out. Um, it's uh, great to have everybody out here, especially on Mother's Day. And child dedication is by far one of my favorites. If we have not met, my name is Joel. And uh, if we have not met, I'd love to meet you on the way out. Um, but for this morning, uh, we are going to be uh, in the third part of our series on this everyday church idea. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in First Peter chapter one. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 210, and uh, we're going to kind of walk through that. But First Peter chapter 1 is where we'll be. It's hard to get to, so uh, if you're not used to it, um, there is uh, almost the e- very end of your Bible. There's a book called Revelation, which we will be studying in June, which um, <laughs> i so not ready for. Um, and then uh, if you go a couple pages up, First John then First Peter, so you get your way that way. So it's all the way in the back of your Bible move closer to the left and you'll find it there first Peter chapter one before we jump in um, let me do one thing before we start I want to pray for uh, the message today but also just praying again for you as parents um, and whether you dedicate your child or not, we all know that parenting is uh, amazing, rewarding, fantastic, and also exhausting and nerve-wracking and anxiety-filled. And so it's the whole gamut, and um, it doesn't stop. So it's not like once they turn 18, you're like, sorry, I'm done. Um, uh, it's, it's the entire life, and uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things I just want to pray for us this morning as we start into 1 Peter. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to honor moms today. Um, Thank you for the opportunity uh, to pray for these little ones and these parents that are raising them. We pray, Father, for those um, who are raising children, have raised children, or for those who are expecting. Um, Father, we pray just for wisdom, for guidance. And as Michelle said, we pray for grace upon them. We pray a blessing over them today as parents. Father, they're not going to get it right. We can't ever get it right. But here's the beautiful part. You always get it right, and you always are willing to coach. You're always willing to teach. You're always willing to show us through Scripture how to do this. So we want to run back to you again and again as we raise and as we um, parent our children. We give you all the glory this morning. As we talk about this idea of everyday pastors, I pray that we'd be encouraged, uh, maybe a little convicted this morning, but more encouraged as we hear about this beautiful, beautiful call to live as pastors every single day of our lives. We thank you for this morning. We pray that you would use your spirit to loom in the scripture this morning. Speak to us through your spirit this morning as we open up your word. In its name we pray, amen. So 1 Peter chapter one, uh, we're gonna look at 22 to 210. As I was looking at this, um, speaking of parenting and things like that we are in the phase of life where we are starting to explore career options uh i don't know if you've gone to that level of anxiety yet with your kids where they come home and they're like i'm supposed to have a job and you're like yes yes you are uh but they are like no i'm supposed to have like a full career like i'm supposed to pick it and like she's a sophomore junior and they're like you're already putting pressure on okay so we've had many conversations about job placements and um One of the things we always kind of want to talk through is you got to kind of know what you're getting yourself into in jobs. And so some conversations have gone like this. If you've ever, um, if you're not okay with blood, if you're not okay with, unlimited weekends that are never at your disposal, if you're, if you're never okay with flexible hours and it's just always gonna change, or if poop is ever an issue for you, nursing is not the call, okay? Uh, we've just had that call. Like, if that's not you, cool, fine. You know, we've had that conversation with a couple of our girls. Um, or let's put it maybe not in career path. Uh, maybe you gotta know what you're getting into with uh, movies. If you're deciding on movie choices and you know that somebody in your house, <clears throat> me, uh, is not an Owen Wilson fan, uh, then, then, you know, like, <laughs> it's for real. Uh, uh, you would know that, okay, if we invite this guy over, we can't watch Zoolander, Marley and Me, Bliss, Wedding Crashers, Mary, Me, or any other train wreck of movies that he's in. Okay. You just, you just know that's not the reality of what it is. Right. I mean, it's just a thing. Um, anyway, it's just my own personal had to get that out. That feels good. That feels really good today. Um, Or, or let's just say it's not movies. It's not you know career. Maybe it's even this idea of like church planting. I don't know if you know our story, but we are a church plant. We're going to turn about seven or six. I can't remember this year, Uh, and so we've we've started from scratch and planted from scratch. And I always say that to people who who have come to me, guys that have said, "I want a church plant," and said, "Well, if you're not willing to really." Teach, pray, vision cast, plan for the future, and really start from scratch in many different ways, then maybe church planting isn't for you, and maybe just another pastoral call could be something for you. And one of the things that's true, though, in that call of um, planting a church or in uh, picking movies or in jobs, right, there's always a constant theme. One of the constant things is if you're not comfortable telling people hard things, it's going to be difficult for you, especially in church planting, especially in parenting. Maybe not in Owen Wilson movies. Maybe that's easy for you. It's easy for me to tell people hard things about Owen Wilson. But uh, for others of us, it may be, you know, I have a hard time telling people hard things. Well, this morning I want to be encouraging but also reminding you that as we live everyday church, we are called, unfortunately, to live sometimes with hard conversations, um, and while it might not be church planting, the hard truth is this morning is that we all who have a relationship with Jesus Christ are called in one way or another to pastor. We're called to pastor and pastoring is involved in relationships. It's keeping people from, uh, it's also keeping people from damaging those relationships and relationship killers. And it's also... This whole idea of living this everyday pastor is going to take guts. And that's kind of where we're going to look today. Is it's, it's difficult, it's rewarding, but it's also going to take guts this morning. And that's what Peter's going to tell us. That as this church is living everyday life in the communities, they're dispersed around their city. There's no real gathering spot for them. They're meeting in home churches around the area in First Peter. He has these words to tell them in First Peter chapter 1, 22 to 25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere Brotherly, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Verse twenty four. For all flesh is like grass, and it's all its glory like the flower of a grass. The grass withers, and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that is preached to you. So he says, "Hey, here's the first thing you need to understand: We all who are Christians, who who have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, if you've done that this morning, um, he's at, he's telling you that you have a certain identity." And this identity is you are 100% clean, pure, because you've trusted in the gospel. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. He says, because you've believed the gospel and trusted in Jesus Christ to do the work, you have purified your souls and you are completely clean, 100% clean, and, and every sin you commit has already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says... Well, that's our identity. What do we what do we do with that identity? He says, Well, then the next step is you are to then use that identity for key pronoun there a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Again, you are pure in identity, you are pure in your heart, so love others out of that pure heart. Not love each other. Because you're perfect and and you can make it happen. But love each other because Christ in you has purified you. So love others through what Jesus has done for you. And he says, from a pure heart, your identity. And he says, because of this, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. There are so many pieces and parts of 1 Peter that remind us again and again that we are relational people. That church was never supposed to be done in isolation. That it was never supposed to be done on our own. We are all built for relationship. And everyday pastoring is built on the promise that we are surrounded by eternal, imperishable relationships for the purpose of staying in close familial love with one another. Let me say that again. Here's his, here's his catch-all with that verse we just, we just read. Everyday pastoring, if we're going to get this right, is built on the promise that we are surrounded by eternal, imperishable relationships for the purpose of staying in close, familial love with one another. So here's what I'm saying. If you were a Christ follower today, guess what? You're stuck with me for eternity. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be knocking on your door every single day. What are we doing today? I don't know. Just go away. Okay. Uh, for those who are, you know, family or friends around you, you're stuck. with they have Christ in their life, you're, you're with them for, like, eternity. That's fantastic, right? For some of you guys, like, oh, no. Right? But others, it's like, that's encouragement. It should be an encouragement. Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, we are we are surrounded by not just relationships. We are surrounded by eternal relationships. If you're a Christ follower today, you are in the family, and we are called to Truly, to pastor one another. Now, let me give you just a couple things when it comes to pastoring that we can all do in this call of pastoring. Let me give you just three. There's a bunch of them, but let me just give you three. Right off the top of my head. One is to teach and instruct when people are unaware, right? If somebody is not aware of the scriptures or unaware of Jesus, then we are to teach and instruct the people who are unaware. That's one of our calls we are to do. That's something you are called to do as even a parent to your children. You are called to instruct them because they are unaware, right? Uh, the second thing is we are to encourage or comfort where people are faint-hearted. There's going to be many times where people in your life, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they just want to give up. This happens in middle school, this happens in high school, this happens in college, this happens in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. There are seasons in your life where you're just going to be like, church is too much, God's too much, I can't, I, I, I just got to quit. I just, I, you need people in your life to encourage those who are faint-hearted in their faith. And lastly, we rebuke and admonish when people are wayward, right? Um... And that's probably the part of pastoring that many of us are like, yeah, I was good until the third one. Um, I was good with the teach and instruct. I'm, I'm really good at encouraging people, but I'm not so good at rebuking and admonishing when people are wayward. The reason people get sideways uh, is a lot of different reasons. But Peter's going to say that there are certain ways that people get sideways in this idea of being relational that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And these sideways ways, if I can say it like that, are basically relationship killers. And, and, and he's basically saying that if we were designed for relationship, we were designed for brotherly love, then we need to avoid the relationship killers that can do these damages. So he says this in chapter 2. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good this is packed with theology but let me just kind of stay on the surface he says there are one two three four five different relationship killers and we all know these to be true but it's 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 easier to see them kind of when they're called out or identified so the first one he says is malice it's ill will towards one another. It's, it's wanting the destruction of somebody else. It's, just, it's an attempt to basically bring somebody down. It's, I look at the person and I really don't want anything to do with them. That's the first step of malice. Malice takes it to the second level though and I want them to fail. I want them to suffer. I want them to, be the, I want them to experience the pain that I have felt. And you've probably been there before. You've maybe been on the receiving end of this. Or you maybe have had a week where you're like, I have had malice in my heart for a whole bunch of people, right? Some are in my family, and I've wished ill will upon them many times this week, right? Or you may be a friend or a coworker or that person who does something to you in traffic or whatever it is we've all had malice in our heart i mean when i'm cut off or when they you know give me the friendly one finger wave i've i've often had malice in my heart but i've also had it in my relationships in my house where there's been certain times where i've got to check myself and be like wow i've never thought i wanted the destruction of my child before but this is one of those moments it feels right right um and and so we've You've been there. All right, so we, we've all had those moments where we're like, we check ourselves, and we're like, whoa, what is in my heart that I really want their downfall and not their good? That's the first one. And any kind of malice in your heart is obviously a destruction killer on any level. But then he raises it another notch, not just ill will, but he says deceit. He says, we set this one really high on the top of our, he, we, we set this one as, um, I'm gonna say this this way. When we think of deceit, right? It's this idea of lying or telling lies, obvious that I have problems with the mic. One of these days, it's not going to cause an issue. Should I just go to the other mic? Or should I just not? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, So lying is another one he adds in. He says, this idea of lying was actually one that we set in our house really early on. Uh, this was one of the main rules when you talk about raising our kids and we did the whole parent dedication. This was one of the ones we said at the top of our list. We said, lying is the biggest relationship killer to any relationship in our family. And so they got punished uh, first and foremost for lying. Like if, they, if you were to ask our kids, like what was the one rule growing up from one to six? It was, we don't lie, right? Because they saw that mom and dad get really upset when when you lie to us. And it wasn't the fact that we were being shamed or hurt by the, we knew that any healthy relationship cannot be built on lies. And so we're going to be honest with you from one to six. I mean, we had some weird conversations from one to six because we we're just, we're trying to be honest. We're trying to be real. And, and at the same time, they knew lying was a big deal because it kills every single relationship. And so he says, get rid of all malice, all deceit. He says, get rid of all hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is one of those amazing, amazing things uh, sins and relationship killers that you only have to get caught in hypocrisy once to feel the effect of hypocrisy, right? I mean, you only have one time to get caught in this and you know the damage that it does. You only have to have one time where somebody catches you behind the scenes and you're talking about it behind their back to be like, oh. Or you've, you've never, you only have to experience that once or even confess it once to know Hypocrisy is an ugly thing, and when you see it in somebody else, you can identify it very quickly, very easily, like that, I don't like that, but it's very hard sometimes to see it in ourselves. He says hypocrisy, and then he says envy, and envy is really the, the silver bullet of any deep relationship. We, we've hit a lot of these, but envy is the one that, it, it's, it's truly, envy is built on you. It's built on self-centeredness. Envy is not just about that you want what others have, it's that you hope that they fall and are destroyed so that, you, so that nobody can have what they have. Envy is, is built on the self-centeredness. It's all about me. And you, it, you, you follow envy enough and you hope that others' lives are not just hurt, but you hope that they are actually burned to the ground. It's, it's a brutal, <laughs> brutal thing. It, it's the, if I can't have it, nobody can have it. And it can often get lived out in, in, in different ways, but typically envy is less lived out in direct contact and direct conflict, it's actually, envy's probably better lived out, or not better, easier lived out, and little drips of poison along the way, right? If you know anything about envy, you don't just come right out and be like, I'm an envious person, and I'm not going to like you. Uh, If you started that way, uh, you're not going to make many friends, but what we typically do is we know better, and so we just kind of drip envy in every once in a while, and here's um, some little phrases that you can kind of put with this you meet somebody they're super excited they've got a great marriage and you have a great conversation and you walk away and your first thought is no marriage is that good and you slowly say that to somebody passing by yeah you wait till they right or parents new parents just wait till they no parents are that good right and you start to kind of just drop little bits of poison in relationship along the way you're at work the guy's succeeding on every single level. You go back to wherever you're working. Your immediate conversation to your coworker is nobody climbs the ladder that efficiently without a little dirt, am I right? Right? Because you know there's something in your heart that's like, I want what he has, I'm not gonna let him enjoy it, so I'm gonna drip this little thing. No one, no, nobody's kids are, are that perfect, nobody's kids are that good. You start to just drip these little poison into all your relationships envy, it's, it's really the production factory of the next one. Envy is kind of the the building blocks or the production line that sends out the product of slander, which is the last one. It's the symptom of the deeper cancer of envy and malice. The slander is actually what's it's the no marriage is that good. It's the nobody climbs the ladder without a little dirt. It's the nobody can be that perfect. It's it's taking somebody down with you. It's it's this thing that kills every single relationship. If envy and malice were the bottom of the iceberg, slander is the top. That's what you see, that's what you experience. And so he says in this passage, he goes, You were built for relationship, but here's what you need to avoid: you need to avoid all these relationship killers. Because all of these have the potential to not only take out friends, I've unfortunately and sadly seen almost every single one of these not just take out friends. I've seen these take out marriages. I've seen these take out relationships with parents. I've seen these take out generations because they've only known this world of envy, slander, malice, hypocrisy. And it's all their family has grown up with. And so they've seen generations fall because of these. And all of these are meant, again, just, just relationship killers. The solution to this is simple and easy. I'll give this to you midway through. You want to kill these? The easiest way to kill any of these, it's really easy. It's, it's the same resolution for every single one of of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. They, 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 what you simply have to do is confess it. Be transparent. Confess these things. Nothing is a better killer of any of these than having to go to somebody you care about and telling them that you've been throwing them under the bus all month, right? Nothing kills any of these sins, like going to somebody and say, you know what, I've really wanted what you have, and because I wanted it so badly, I've actually taken you out in conversations and in how I've treated you, and I just need you to know I've been a jerk to you behind your back for most of this month, right? That's an awkward conversation. That's a hard one to have, but in reality, if we're ever going to kill these things, we've got to be real and start to put these things out in front of people, the people we love and care about, and say, I've trashed you in front of others, and I apologize. I got really insecure. I should not have let it happen. I did and I want you to know, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me for it? This happens in relationships. I've had to do this with coworkers. <laughs> I've had to do this with family. I've had to do this with my own kids where I've had to come to them and say, you know what? You need to forgive dad because he let malice get in his heart. And I had ill intent because this was the fifth request in the last 10 minutes for whatever that was. And I had some real hard issues going on towards you in that moment. And I just need you to know, I love you. I care about you as your dad. And there's honestly often some harder anger things that I have to really confess and be open about. And I just need you to forgive me for going off the handle. I need you to forgive me for for talking bad about that person that you don't even know. You need to forgive me for... And so it's it's truly a simple thing, but it's the most humiliating, hard thing thing to do to confess and be transparent with any relationship killer because we all know better we all know we shouldn't be doing these things but we do them anyway and we we crave the relationship but oftentimes we end up craving the relationship killers more than the relationship itself many of us again are um, prone to these maybe some of you you've been raised with these And possibly because we've experienced them in other relationships that have been done to us in toxic ways, possibly that's why we have a harder time being open with it ourselves. Let me just encourage you though, the everyday pastoring, if we're gonna live this idea of being everyday Christ followers, part of that responsibility is loving someone enough to help them identify and take out relationship killers in their life. If you love your kids enough, you're gonna sit them down some days and you're gonna say, you know what? If this continues, I love you enough as your parent to tell you, you're not going to have any friends. I love you enough to tell you that if you keep lying to mom and dad, we're never going to trust you with anything. I love you enough to tell you that this is not just about securing friendships. This is going to do real damage to your heart in the long run. I love you enough to tell you that these things will kill every single relationship you walk into. And I need people in my life, my wife, my family, to to say the same back to me. Dad, if this continues, you're going to be seen as a hypocrite. You're going to be seen as living one way at home and one way at church. And, And I dread ever wanting to be that guy who is somebody else outside and somebody different in here. And people are like, I knew it. Right, I never want that. And so we always need people in our life to keep telling us these things. And here's the hard part. Hearing those things is the last part of what we're going to talk about today. And that is that it it takes admonishing. It takes uh, the the Hebrews thing of encouraging each other with truth. (laughs) Not just like you're a good person, but with truth of you need to get this out of your life. Everyday pastoring takes guts and Jesus modeled it often. Peter, who wrote this, I find this very encouraging. Peter, who wrote this, received some of the heaviest rebukes from Jesus among all the other disciples. So the one writing this isn't like living a hypocritical life and say, do this while I don't. He's saying, I've had to do this myself. I mean, think of Peter. Peter, uh, I love you, brother, but we don't cut off people's ears, right? First, first kind of just admonishment. We just we just don't do that, right? It's not an important thing. Peter, we don't need tents up here on this mountain for Moses and Elijah and me. We're good. Peter, why did you doubt on that wave where you were walking on water and that I pulled you back out? Why did you doubt? Peter, we don't yell at the children and tell them to go away. That's another story for another day. Peter, don't worry about John and all his life. You worry about you. And one of the hardest admissions or uh, rebukes that Jesus gives to Peter is Satan, get thee behind me and and that's a harsh one right so Peter's known for these rebukes he knows these rebukes and Peter knows full well how hard these things are but he tells us this as some encouragement but also as some challenge so we're going to end with these verses in verses um, 4 through 10 as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hard truths are ten times harder in relationship than they are outside of relationship. Hard truth is this, that we often, as times, as we follow Jesus Christ, will be stumbling blocks to those around us. We will often have to say some hard things to different people. The truth is this morning, you are called to be bold and have different conversations because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is truly the cornerstone that has built the entire thing, And he says, you who now are in Christ are part of that cornerstone. You are helping to build the foundation of the church as it moves ahead. He says, as you are being that cornerstone, you also get the good part of that, but you also get the negative side of that of there will be times because you follow Jesus Christ that you will be a stumbling block to those you are in relationship with. To which I could ask the question, I'm not going to raise hands this morning, but you probably can think of many times in your own life, if you followed Christ for any amount of years, you can think of conversations where you became a stumbling block to somebody as they were approaching Christianity. You said something they didn't like, you told them something the Bible said that was true but they didn't enjoy, You've, you've had to share a hard truth, and they ultimately maybe even just walked away. There is nothing harder as a pastor than when you're doing the right things and you're sharing the right truths and somebody finds it and stumbles upon that rock of offense, and they're like, I can't, I won't, I'm not coming back. That's hard. It's not easy, but you were made to be bold in difficult conversations and you have God to help you in those difficult conversations. I think the reasons that many um, do not come to Christianity in 2022 is really not because of the don't do these sins and do these things that are right. I think we've kind of, seeing the morality of our culture. We, we kind of go back and forth a lot. I don't think people really, they do, but they don't. need told a lot of the morality stuff. I don't think the reason they, I think the reason they don't come to Christianity isn't because they don't do these. I think most people today don't come to Christianity because they know verses like this, and they're pressured more and more that you have to live in relationship to a culture that is dedicated to isolation, individualization, me, mine, my my own growth, I think the bigger stumbling block today is when you become a Christian, you are filled with family. To which many would say, no, thank you. I'm good, (laughs) right? When we first planted the church in a rural area, This was amazing. I knew this to be true, but it was actually spoken to me numerous times. Um, But when you move or you plant in a rural community, you go into a rural community, you're like, I'm going to build a church. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. But here's the reality. You go into that rural community, and they're like, yeah, we moved here to get away from people. So we really don't want you coming over or hanging out. I have this big backyard on purpose. There's at least a good three acres where I don't have to see people, and I love it right? And so for many people, when you say, hey, come to Christianity, it'll be great, you'll be surrounded by all these people. They're like, yeah, no, we're good, thank you. Um, I appreciate the offer, but we're gonna, no. Uh, and so I think really this call for relationship is, is really something that a lot of people are pulling away from. And I, 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 I want you to hear that that is a reality, and it's, it's difficult, and we can be honest about it. I don't want to have to be responsible for somebody else, They would say, I've got my own family and my own mess. I don't need a church of people to deal with their problems. I've got my own, right? I don't want to have to be open with somebody else. My wife asks me to do it all the time, and I have a hard enough time being open with her, let alone an accountability group with some guys, and that's weird, right? We don't want to be open. We don't want relationships, and so this becomes very easy to walk away. Why would I want another family when I really don't even enjoy my own? (laughs) I've heard that. I've heard that before. Uh, to which I say, well, I can relate to that some days, but I get it, right? I don't want to be an everyday pastor, Joel. I don't want it. I appreciate it. You're great. You communicated it very clearly. Good job. I don't want it. Why? Because there's relationship involved, and that takes a lot of work. We're going to get into some of those in just a second, but the other thing I think that happens is we all have bends that we're kind of wired certain ways, and we can kind of live a certain way. And, and I think that part of it is, is, is part of this sharing hard truths as well. Um, just as a quick example, um, and then we'll finish up. But we we shared this chart that I destroyed at Easter. So if you're here at Easter, you're like, oh no, he's going to try it again. Um, but. At Easter, I tried this chart, and it didn't go well. So we're going to see if it goes well today. Uh, but in this chart, we talked about the four different quadrants of personality that we all have or different temperaments that we have. And we talked about the idea of being uh, dominating, and, and, and we talked about being a liberator. We talked about just not caring and being an advocator. And then we talked about somebody who's a protector. Well, this morning, I want to kind of take it into the terms of sharing hard truths. And so uh, I put this down in my notes so that I actually get it right this time. But uh, the, the the top arrow is a high concern for others, or let's just say for relationship, right? He's like, oh, it's getting close. Uh, Low concern would be down here, right? I don't really care about relationships. I like me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Uh, The other one then is on this angle is high concern. You're like, I'm so sick of these charts. I know, but stick with me. High concern for outcome. And this one's like low concern for any kind of outcome. If we could just hang out all day and be best buddies and go fishing all the time, great. Uh, I don't care if anything happens. Others of you, you live here and you're like, no, if it's not producing something, get out of my life. I don't have time for you, right? High concern for outcome. Now, when it comes to how we handle hard topics, this is important because we all have different areas of where we live in this quadrant. So let me just talk to, you, first of all, those who are kind of the, the walkers is what I'll call these guys. They have a low concern for outcome and a low concern for relationship. I'm going to put this in this category. These are the people, if you're having a conversation, you could start the conversation and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something difficult. And as soon as you say, I need to talk to you about something difficult, they're like out the door. You're like, wait, 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 I didn't even tell you what it was. You're like, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Why? Because they don't care about the relationship. They don't care about the outcome. Leave me alone. I'm fine. They're out the door. It's maybe some of you in, there, in this room that maybe fall maybe into that category. Others are uh, maybe what we'll call up here yielders. Um, they have a high concern for the relationship and low concern for outcome. And so everything is built on this. And so if you have a hard conversation with these kind of people, uh, it, it would kind of look like, hey, can we talk about some areas in which to improve in your life? And they say, Sure because there's a relationship there's a conversation about to happen let's do this this is be great and then Okay, so you say, okay, so there's this one thing, and as soon as you say there's this one thing, their immediate response is, I know, it's my fault, I did it, I'll fix it, I'm sorry, I've been working on it for months, I'm going to, I don't even know what the one thing is. And I know, but it's probably my fault somewhere along the way, I did this, and so I just need you to know, whatever it is, I'm sorry, and I'm going to fix it. I can fix it all. Do you want to get ice cream? Are we good? Should we get ice cream? Let's get ice cream after this, right? Because they just, they just love relationships so much, and they don't care about outcome. There's like anything to protect the relationship. And if you live in Yielder world long enough, it just, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, but, um, so they can shrink back because of the relationship. And then you have those that are kind of, um, <laughs> uh, let's just kind of, uh, what do we call these guys? Dominator's the one, but let's just call them winners. Uh, uh, their, their whole thing is outcome and no relationship, right? Uh, you go to them and say, I got an issue. They're like, cool, bring it on, bro. Let's talk. And you're like, well, the issue is, Spit it out. Well, I think it might be, well, let's do it. Let's talk about this. Are we going to get this done or not? I got things to do, right? Or these are the guys in a church world who are like, I've disciplined six people in my church this week. It's been a great week because we're winning. We're doing awesome stuff. People are just getting in my way. We just got to get to the outcome, right? And so for you in this room, maybe that's you in relationships. It's all about the outcome, a low concern for relationship. And you've just mowed over person after person after person. But man, are you getting stuff done? right, right, saying hard truths, man, I love it, I live in hard truths, like, give me a whole room, I'll tell everybody why they're screwing up, that's my, that's my jam, I love it, you got a problem, you got a problem, and you got a problem, and I love to tell you what your problem is, right, that, that could be you, Um, let me just say, for those who are in this room, and you like punching people in the face, it's kind of what you love to do, Um, there's a relationship involved, (laughs) and not just outcome, okay, and so for the last one, then, is really where we want to be. And I'm going to, going to steal the same term we talked about, but that's the idea of liberating somebody. And that's that you can say a hard truth. You can fight for an outcome, but you can also fight for a relationship this morning. And that's really where we want to live. What he's telling us is you will be a stumbling block because you follow Jesus Christ. But the good news of that is you can still share hard truths and still maintain a relationship. So the question this morning as we wrap up is this. Okay, so we're built for relationships, Joel. You've, been nauseum telling us that. <laughs> You've you said that there's some relationship killers and we need to avoid those. You've also shared this idea that we're supposed to be these, these, these stumbling blocks to those who are outside of Christ because maybe there's some truths that they're gonna fall into. I believe we can also probably fall into that same category with those who love Jesus as well, that we can share hard truths and they're gonna stumble on them as well because they're hard truths. So let me just kind of offer this as we, as we wrap up. Why do we shrink back? Why do we not desire to be those stumbling blocks of hard truth. Let me just give you a couple from my life. Let me pick on me. Um, I picked on you guys enough. Let me pick on me for a little bit. Let me give you mine, why I have a difficult time sometimes putting hard truths in front of people. Number one, if I say the hard truth, I'm gonna get hurt. I, I'm gonna have to have some pain involved here and I don't want it. It's not worth it. So I'll just, everything's okay, right? You should probably stop doing that, but it's it's not that big. okay. It's okay, right? So I, I, I can avoid it because I know that I'm going to get hurt in that conversation. That's number one. Number two, if I say that hard truth, I'll be a hypocrite that Jesus talked about, right? If I, if I go to somebody and tell them to get a handle on something in their family and my family's not all wrapped up and in check, right, it could come across as hypocritical and I'm like, well, I don't want to be the hypocrite that Jesus talks about and gave seven woes to. I, I want to live this life, but I know that struggling with that myself, how could I call that out on somebody else? and Let me just encourage you, if you feel like a hypocrite this morning, welcome to the club. If you feel like a hypocrite this morning and you're like, church is a bunch of hypocrites, yes, unfortunately that is the case, because we are all saved by grace. You think your neighbor's got it all together or that I've got it all together. We don't have it all together. Instead, we go to the one who does have it all together and that's why we can say these things is because we can say, you know what? That truth is still the truth. That reality in scripture is still the reality in scripture. Whether I nail it 20 times this week or I don't, the truth is still the truth and we can both rally around the truth even as we're hypocrites along the way. And I can still call somebody to that at the same time as myself adjusting to it because the truth is the truth. I have a hard time because I feel like a hypocrite. Number three, I have a hard time uh, saying hard things because I'm, (laughs) this is totally just transparent for you. Ready? Uh, Sometimes, if you've been there before, I don't want to have a hard truth with somebody because I know how long it's going to (laughs) take. Straight up, I just know this is going to be an hour conversation. I planned on five. And if I unload this, if I keep asking, if I keep pulling the thread, I'm going to be here for the next two hours and I selfishly be like, yeah, we're good, you're good, Let's, we're good, right? Because I'm not really caring about the relationship and the outcome and my own personal wants, and I want to get out of it. Just being honest, Some of those it's just a hard truth, because I don't want to spend all the time talking about it, right? I just want it to work. It's like my car, I don't want to maintain it, I just want it to work. Um, if I say a hard truth, they may leave, Right? I've had that feeling. And and if if you've talked to other pastors, they've had some of the same feelings. If I say a hard truth to somebody in the church, they're just gonna find somewhere else to go. And that's a hard reality because there's a relationship built with that person. And so sometimes I find myself in my head fighting that urge to say, if I say this, what's gonna happen? But in reality, we're all called to do the same thing. And that is often, sometimes we just have to be the stumbling blocks because the truth is the truth. Last one, sometimes I don't say the hard thing because I feel like I'm burdening them with just another thing. Jesus Christ in his Gospels, he talks about a story of placing burdens upon people, burdens upon burdens upon burdens. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to just keep adding burdens and upon burdens to your life. I want to free you. I want to, I want to show you that there's freedom in Christ. I want to show you that there's joy in Christ. I want to show you that there's an amazing relationship to be found in Jesus Christ. There's, there's this thing of he calls us no longer slaves but free. He calls us friends and family, and he likes us, not just loves us. And I want to call people to that, and, and I don't want to burden them. So often I'll kind of hold back, but the reality is in holding back, I'm not truly loving them. So let me, don't, I don't know what yours are, but let me just close with this. Um, here's some encouragement this morning um, that I find to be true in all these hard conversations in years of ministry. Here's what I found to be true of people. Number one, people want pushed more than they want coddled. They're never gonna tell you that. Um, but often they want something hard, especially men in the room. We want something hard. Don't give us easy stuff. Don't give us low hanging fruit push us, make us go after something difficult, make us fight for it. And, and I think so many in, in Christianity, it's just all about loving, being nice, and then we're okay, you're okay. Instead of like, no, we, we want pushed. We want to grow. We don't want coddled anymore. We want to truly grow. Your kids, parents, your kids, they need you to push them They need you not to just hold their hand every single time. They need you to push them to more adventure, more dreaming, more joy, more passion. Because safe and easy is okay for a while, but sometimes they just need to take risks. And he says, I just need to share these hard truths because people want push more than they want coddle. Number two, Christ, who is the cornerstone, knows perfectly every relationship that you're going to encounter. So here's the beautiful part. You don't go to any of those hard conversations alone. You go into every single hard conversation knowing that Jesus Christ maybe already is having the conversation with somebody or at least is with you in the conversation. That's number two. Number three is Jesus has the wisdom and words that you don't have to speak the truth that you need to speak. I don't know what to say. None of us do. But let's just go to scripture and let's ask God what he wants us to say in that hard truth and how we share that with somebody. And the last one, Jesus has given you other pastors, other family, other people around you to help you as you share these hard truths. We, um, we all have our own issues with these things. But ultimately, we are called to teach and instruct when people don't know we are encouraging comfort when people are faint hearted, and we are rebuking and admonishing when people are wayward. And so I want to leave you just two questions this morning, and we'll end here. First question is this Of all the things we've talked about, what is on your list of hard topics to talk about? If you were to kind of walk away this morning, and you're like, okay, I get it, there's this idea of being a stumbling block, and we're supposed to pastor every day, but ultimately, we all have a list of hard things that we don't like to talk about with other people. And so I would just encourage you um, over the next couple weeks or whatever just to kind of really think through what is on my list of hard topics that I don't like to talk about? And as you start to kind of ask that question, you're going to have this other question of why is that hard to talk about? And what ultimately you find is there's probably something at the bottom layer of that thing that is grabbing a hold of your heart of why you don't like to talk about it. And if you understand the why, then you can start to understand how to have hard conversations. What is the list on your hard topics to talk about and why is number one. And then number two, Who has God already placed in your life to help or to speak truth to, right? Who is is maybe God even speaking this morning and saying, okay, they're already in my life. This is a conversation I knew was coming. I need to have it. I need his wisdom. I need truth. I need people around me to help me have the hard conversations. Who is it that, that he's placed already in your life to speak truth to right now? This morning, I hope that as we continue through this everyday church, uh, that we are encouraged by the fact that we, uh, we're never meant to do it alone. And secondly, that we have Christ in our life who leads us and guides us every step of the way. This is impossible on our own, but through Christ we can do all these things. We can we can have hard truths. We can be in relationship. We can do these things as we live out everyday Christianity every single day. Next week, I uh, encourage you, if you are visiting this morning, it might be a fun um opportunity to come back next Sunday. Next Sunday, we are having baptisms here and a guest speaker to talk about living everyday missions. And so we're going to talk about that. And he has even some roots in the Ukraine and things like that. But uh, I want you to kind of just know that as we continue on in the series, this is all about how we live out church every single day. Instead of turning it into a one Sunday thing, how do we pastor one another, teach and instruct, encourage and rebuke and admonish all these things as we live in every day? Let me pray for us as we close, and then Kurt will come up and wrap up. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Father, thank you for these hard truths that uh, often we don't like to share, we don't want to talk about, but ultimately you've called us to pastor, to love one another enough to get in each other's face every once in a while, to love one another enough to say hard things, and to love one another enough to truly go back to Scripture and your word for every single piece of it. I pray for us as a church, Father, as we live out your truth, even this summer, I pray that we'd be stronger, we'd be healthier, we'd be more joyful, we'd be more authentic, sacrificial followers of Christ as we follow you in the everyday. We thank you for these parents this morning, and we ask your guidance upon them, and we thank you for your word and how it transforms us every single week. Here we pray. Amen.